have developed speed, but we have shut ourselves in. Machinery that gives abundance has left us in want. We think too much and feel too little. More than machinery, we need humanity. We know the air is unfit to breathe and our food is unfit to eat. As if that's the way it's supposed to be. We know things are bad, worse than bad. They're crazy. The great and powerful Oz knows why you have come. You've got to say, I'm a human being. God damn it. My life has value. You have meddled with the primal forces of nature. Don't give yourselves to brutes. Men who despise you, enslave you, who regiment your lives, tell you what to do, what to think, or what to feel, who drill you, diet you, treat you like cattle, use you as cannon fodder. Don't give yourselves to these unnatural men, machine men, with machine minds and machine hearts. <laughs> Jason Burmes. And who loves you? And who do you love? Oh, we got a fun one today. Good morning, everybody. I am Jason Burmes. This is Reality Rants brought to you by RedVoiceMedia.com. And I got a question for you today. Do you know the Muffin Man? Do you know the Muffin Man, the Muffin Man, the Muffin Man? Do you know the Muffin Man who lives on Capitol Hill? So, for those uh, that are unaware, the January 6th tapes were released to the Tuckins exclusively via some kind of backdoor deal with... McCarthy, apparently. Now, I, I was kind of skeptical about it, but at the same time, by the way, is, is this going here? Because it's not looking. Oh, there it is going. I guess it is. Uh, I was skeptical a bit about because I wasn't hearing it. I was I was hearing a lot of chatter. Okay, so finally, the Tuckins acknowledged it last week and said this week is going to be the big January sixth expose. And I watched it last night, and. I mean, some of the stuff was obvious. I, I I like how he framed it because these people are obvious liars and extremely deceptive. And uh, I think the Thomas Massey segment was probably uh, the most powerful of the evening, other than showing that Officer Sicknick, who w was definitely amongst uh, people who were being violent during a, a riotous period outside of the Capitol, let's not get it twisted, and I definitely got, myself, a lot of violent people on camera that, to my knowledge, have never been arrested for some reason. And yet, people that were not violent are doing hard time, like the Muffin Man, Jacob Ch Chansley. And we're going to get to the poor Muffin Man in a moment, okay? It's, it's, it's just wild stuff. So, what we had never seen before was the tour that the Muffin Man was taken on by the two 
police officers that then you see once he enters the sacred realm, right? This, ooh, this is kind of the sacred realm. That's when they ask him, you know, it, it's time to go. We need to leave. But before that, they're like escorting him and letting him open doors. I mean, this guy's so dangerous. For the absurdity of all of it, what I covered and continue to cover is that the Muffin Man here, when I watched his 60 Minutes interview, I pointed out that, you know, they tried to make this guy out to be some huge criminal. He didn't destroy any property. He's not a bigot. Is, is he somebody who was, like, mentally ill and believed that the QAnon sense was real? Yes. It sucks. Psychological operations, all right? And even... You know, a, a digital LARP that got out of control and that was overtaken as a political movement. Whatever you want to call the QAnon sense. They work on some people. That That's why we're big on reality here. Okay, proving what we say and showing the documents. And that's why, for the first time ever, here exclusively on Red Voice Media, my goodness, we are going to show you the footage. That's right. We're going to show you the footage of Mr. Chansley, okay, stopping the muffin theft. Okay, the, this is the big insurrectionist. Hey, this is, I mean, these people, when we play the Tuckins clip, hey, what he did was do a good job of showing all these people grandstanding and talking about this along the lines of 9-11. You think on 9-11, people in the World Trade Center at any point were stopping somebody from a muffin theft? Especially the arch-terrorist and criminal? So, here it is. You you be the judge. Um, I'm warning. You know, this is some pretty high-level graphic footage of Chansley stopping the theft of a muffin. I know it's it's pretty hard to watch, folks. Now look, this guy over here in the hat—he's like he sees. Oh, there's a little kitchen activity over here. Oh, place to eat something. You see this? Now watch this. He goes in for the muffin. He goes to take the muffin. Chancely darts in the door. You, if you blink, you miss it. And he stops that muffin. Let's watch in slow mo. He, he says, "Hey, buddy, not today." Not on my watch. We're, we're taking over America. No need to have the blood of muffins on our hands. This is this is the craziness. So before we get to the, the Tucker clip and uh, that part, I also want to post, this, you know, I want to show you this. This is Chancellor leaving the Capitol and telling everybody else to leave. Remember, he was allowed to go home. He was doing interviews. I remember he went on uh, Alex Jones, amongst other things. And it was shortly after the Alex Jones interview, I think he was picked up. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's what you get for saving a good muffin and telling people to go home. The guy, what do you get, like 31 months in prison for painting his face up? I mean, this listen, this guy's a veteran, too. He's in the Navy. 
At one point, he served his country. He took orders. So he, you know, he falls for some underground military coup d'etat that's not real. That's a message board madness. Ends up in face paint with a flagpole on a tour, stopping muffin theft. So there, there he is, telling everybody to go home. Very dangerous, this guy. Everybody seems very racist and dangerous. Just that the 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 Trump Rambo flag. I saw a lot of that. I think I saw a lot of the Trump no more bullshit. You can obviously see all the uh, Nazi flags, and don't worry, we're going to be talking Nazis, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and a whole lot more uh, in this broadcast. This guy, this could be a good one. You're also going to want to come to the uncensored portion of the broadcast because there are certain things we just can't play here on YouTube. Period. In fact, yesterday, I just want to point this out. Uh, I got an immediate copyright strike where they they didn't just, usually with the copyright thing, they just try to monetize your stuff, even if you're not monetized like me, and it says it doesn't affect you at all. They blocked my video in every country. And it was uh, the Oscars Association, which basically the Screen Actors Guild, for me playing all those uh, actors, right, standing up, and applauding Roman Polanski admitted pedophile. Someone who was very elated in those videos to talk about young girls and how he liked them and how they liked him. Photography sessions. Girls that weren't even 14. 12-year-old girls. You know. And then you point out that you know, maybe these people in Hollywood ain't the best. I like a Scorsese picture, too. I do. I'm not going to just ignore that. Sorry. Not going to happen. But, hey, that's just me. That's just me. Um, so I want to queue up the Tuckins. And now we're going to find out that the Muffin Man here, he got his own little personal tour. That That's what he did. He's He got a tour. Okay? So... This is uh, the Chancellor section of this. And uh, again, I think Tucker did a pretty good job. So here we go. Make sure that's off. Thumbs it up, subscribe, share. And by the way, Rockfin Rumble, that's where you can actually see the Hollyweird stuff. You can still see that. And remember, uh, we do the whole broadcast for free over at Podbean. The audio version is available every single day and live. And, and by the way, I've had some people request maybe at the end of the show, take some questions and comments. Uh, we do want to work on that, with, but we got to bring more live people over to Podbean to do that. This is what I'm offering. At Jason Burmis is my Twitter. If you hit me up at Twitter for this first uh, hour or so, and then you're in the premium broadcast at the end, um, hashtag reality rants, and then ask me a question or a comment. Maybe I'll read some of those at the end of the broadcast if it happens. Uh, but I also want you to tag at Red Voice News as well. So you got to tag myself, okay, at Red Voice News, and hashtag Reality Rants. Then you can give your question or comment, and we'll talk about it from there. So uh, here is the tuck-in segment. This, this, this is just uh, the Chansley segment on the January 6th stuff. 
we're going to see more. You know, he showed Roy Epps, who had perjured himself, who still never arrested, who somehow is being championed by the people. I mean, there's a lot of sickos here. But again, to just compare this, first of all, to call it an insurrection, we all know that's Johnny nonsense. It's not real. Okay? So, the Tuckins. That is conclusive. And that fact should prevent them from ever being taken seriously again. We're going to begin tonight with footage that shows you what was actually happening inside the Capitol. The footage does not show an insurrection or a riot in progress. Instead, it shows police escorting protesters through the building, including the now infamous QAnon shaman. Watch. These are the pictures you've seen of January 6th. They're familiar because they've been playing on a loop on every media outlet in America for the last two years. There's a reason for that. But it turns out there's quite a bit of video you haven't seen. And that video tells a very different story about what happened on January 6th. More than 40,000 hours of surveillance footage from in and around the Capitol have been withheld from the public. And once you see the video, you'll understand why. Taken as a whole, the video record does not support the claim that January 6th was an insurrection. In fact, it demolishes that claim. And that's exactly why the Democratic Party and its allies in the media prevented you from seeing it. By controlling the images you were allowed to view from January 6th, they controlled how the public understood that day. They could lie about what happened, and you would never know the difference. Those lies had a purpose. They created a pretext for a federal crackdown on opponents of the Uniparty in Washington. Our office wanted to ensure that there was shock and awe that we could charge as many people as possible. The first thing you notice from viewing the full video record of January 6th is just how many people entered the Capitol building that day. Hundreds and hundreds of people, possibly thousands, over the course of about two hours. The crowd was enormous. A small percentage of them were hooligans. They committed vandalism. You've seen their pictures again and again. But the overwhelming majority weren't. They were peaceful. They were orderly and meek. These were not insurrectionists. They were sightseers. Footage from inside the Capitol overturns the story you've heard about January 6th. Protesters queue up in neat little lines. They give each other tours outside the speaker's office. They take cheerful selfies and they smile. They're not destroying the Capitol. They obviously revere the Capitol. They're there because they believe the election was stolen from them. They believe in the system. Here's the man you've heard referred to as the QAnon shaman outside the Senate chamber. These are not rioters. These are people who wandered over from a political rally. We will not let them silence your voices. After the rally, they walked down Pennsylvania Avenue, where organizers had secured a federal permit to hold a legal rally on the grounds of the Capitol. So let's just stop it there for a second. And that's like the biggest misnomer out there that somehow, oh, we stormed the Capitol. First of all, they should have had way more security there. They didn't have enough security at the actual ellipse, period, at least not visually. And, and let's not forget, we, we still haven't heard anything about Mr. Uh, Mr. What? January 5th pipe bomber, man. So we will have him. They've got plenty of other footage of that as well. The Tuckins is talking about 40000 instead of $14,000. And I, I think I'm going to have to play the Massey clip too, where Massey says, I really hope that we can get all of this out to the public so that they 
can sleuth it out, and I would have to agree there. I know that everyone here will soon be marching over to the Capitol building to peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard. Once at the Capitol building, things began to get chaotic. Capitol police officers fired tear gas into the crowd. A few at the front of the herd broke windows. Someone opened the doors and many hundreds of others just walked in. We're gonna make that the story. Of course, they did make it the story. And at the center of it, the single most famous person arrested that day was a Navy veteran from Arizona called Jacob Chansley, often referred to as the QAnon shaman. The so-called QAnon shaman. QAnon shaman. Someone named Q shaman. Jacob Chansley became the face of January 6th, a dangerous conspiracy theorist dressed in outlandish costume who led the violent insurrection to overthrow American democracy. For these crimes, Chansley was sentenced to nearly four years in prison, far more time than many violent criminals now. What did Jacob Chansley do to receive this punishment? To this day, there is dispute over how Chansley got into the Capitol building. But according to our review of the internal surveillance video, it is very clear what happened once he got inside. Virtually every moment of his time inside the Capitol was caught on tape. The tapes show the Capitol Police never stopped Jacob Chansley. They helped him. They acted as his tour guides. Here's video of Chansley in the Senate chamber. Capitol Police officers take him to multiple entrances and even try to unlock doors for him. We counted at least nine officers who were within touching distance of unarmed Chansley. Not one of them even tried to slow him down. Let's stop it right there. That shows you how ludicrous this whole thing is right there. Okay, right there. Chansley understood that Capitol Police were his allies. Video shows him giving thanks for them in a prayer on the floor of the Senate. Watch. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for paying the inspiration needed to these police officers to allow us in this building. Contrast the reality of what Jacob Chansley did in the Capitol building on January 6th, the indisputable facts recorded on video, some of which has never before been seen, with the depiction of Jacob Chansley that you've seen in the media for more than two years. He's a terrorist, they said. He should be killed. Shoot him. Shoot him. Like, if it burst into the United States, if he was dressed like bin Laden, would he have a shot? And that's just ignorant right there, too. Um, first of all, I don't care what somebody's dressed like, especially in a situation like that, if they're unarmed, sir. If they're not causing any destruction at all. If they're stopping violent muffin thieves. I mean, my I take a look. This this is the this is the clown townery we are in. This is the cartoon in which we live. Um, shoot him, shoot him. It makes you wonder who are the violent extremists here? Not Jacob Chansley. And the video proves that. But you would never have known from the media coverage. The people sitting in the chairs need to be sitting in a jail cell. Chansley is in a jail cell. He's been there for months. If he was in fact committing such a grave crime, why didn't the officers who were standing right next to him place him under arrest? Until now, no one could even prove that even happened. But it did. So there you go. Um, you know, that's just a small part of that. I mean, he dedicated probably three quarters of the show to it. I know that it was uh, run as a cover story over at the New York Post.
That's that's minutia on what we've gone through. Minutia. So maybe we play the Massey segment over on the premium end, redvoicemedia.com slash Jason, redvoicemedia.com slash uncensored. Uh, it's 10 bucks a month or 100 for the year. Lock it in. Support the broadcast. We do really appreciate it. I have so many other stories to go to that I think we just got to move on, okay, from, from January 6th. I thought it was important. I wanted to have a little fun this morning, right? Get everybody a little upbeat. It's it's really kind of a dark story, though. I mean, the Muffin Man is rotting in a federal penitentiary. Made, made to be a demon. When, I, when I'm going to go over plenty of real demons, humans that walk the earth and do actual abhorrent evil shit, not paint their face and believe in fairy tales and go, yeah! No. No, these are movers, shakers, doers, and uh, bad, bad folks. Bad folks. Okay? So let, let's start here. It's a weird story. And the headline isn't why we're reading the story. A Twitter engineer says there are at least two bodyguards accompanying Elon Musk around Twitter headquarters, even to the restroom. Well, I'll bet there are. You know, listen, the Musker nuts is a facade. We've talked about it. He's military industrial complex all the way. And what's really interesting about this story is when you read it, and we're going to read the whole thing so nobody takes it out of context, can we get 100 thumbs up, is you remember that really weird incident where Elon was saying somebody was stalking one of his children and he used Twitter to put that out? Well, according to this article, and I don't know whether it's real or not, it's from yesterday, I don't know how valid it is, but apparently the police who investigated the incident say that the person who was harassing supposedly Elon's kid was one of his bodyguards. Huh. So let's read that. So let's go to it right now. Elon Musk is accompanied around Twitter's headquarters by at least two bodyguards who even follow him to the restroom. An engineer at the social media company told the BBC. The engineer who spoke to the BBC on the condition of anonymity uh, to protect their employment. So the bodyguards were bulky and tall and like they're from a Hollywood movie. By the way, I don't have any bodyguards. Again, these people have highly trained, highly armed help. It's not uncommon for high-flying executives and CEOs to be accompanied by bodyguards uh, or for companies to spend a considerable amount of money providing them with security details. The engineer said he thought that Musk's use of bodyguards inside Twitter's HQ in San Francisco suggested a lack of trust in the company's employees per the BBC report published Sunday. Um, it's not just them, okay? Yeah, you talk about this. Uh, Musk's father, Errol, said in January that he feared for his son's safety even though he was protected by 100 security guards. Oh, he's got 100 security guards. Okay, so now check this out. Musk's security detail came into the spotlight in December after Musk said a crazy stalker jumped on a car carrying his son in Los Angeles. The South Pal Paladina, uh, Pasadena, I'm sorry, Police Department later said it believed the suspect in the case to be a member of Elon Musk's security team. Huh. Interesting. See that? It's odd. 
And there and there's the tweet from Musk. So and then he you know posted the call. It was a big incident. It's a big incident. So definitely thought I'd uh, I'd quickly do that one right there. Um, let's talk military industrial complex. Let's talk worldwide war. Let's get into some glum subjects. Okay. Uh, Aleppo airport is reportedly under attack by Israel. This is the lifeline for victims of the earthquake. Israel is trying to provoke Syria to escalate conflict in lockstep with the U S triggering ISIS attacks on civilians, U S Israeli terrorist settler states, Vanessa Bealy over on Twitter. Now, this is that Anglo-American, Saudi Arabian, Israeli alliance in the U.S. And we don't talk enough about how we're still in Syria, how Five Eyes is still a very real alliance, and really how it's beyond the nation state. Okay, We, we certainly barely talked about the earthquakes in Turkey, barely talked about um, the earthquakes in Syria, and I, I mean, I don't know if we even discussed any anybody in the mainstream was like, boy, we re- really got to help all those poor Syrian people. That, that should show you how much these disingenuous politicians and actors and media figures really care about human beings. No, I'm going to say it up, down and all around. I want no war. I'll start with less war and conflict, but no war would be nice in 2023. Okay? I don't want death and destruction. I want human beings to prosper and love one another. Kooky, I know. People say, you sound like a hippie, Jason. It's not hippie talk. It's the the reality of understanding, look, not everybody's going to be great. There are going to be conflicts of a physical nature. Militaries do exist. I'm not in la-la land. I'm not somebody who says, non-aggression principle, man. Anarchy rules globally. No, 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 no. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about we don't need to escalate death machines. Okay? And we don't need all these little toys that we utilized in beta testing in the Middle East and continue to do so. And we're going to talk about some some DOD drone stuff coming up. Really lovely stuff. Good stuff. Far, d- Defense Department stuff. Biometrics. All the things that we did there over here and in westernized nations now. With a little bit less of the jackboot as we automate you out. But don't worry. We'll continue to kill people over, overseas with death showers. So it's a big reason we're covering this. Now, this is out in New York. Um, I believe it was yesterday, maybe the day before. Jewish New Yorkers rally at Schumer's home to end U.S. military funding to Israel. You will never hear about this in the mainstream. This is in the middle of New York City. I don't want military funding to Israel. I don't want it to any of these other nations. All right? We can be friendly with nations. We can have alliances with nations. Great. Treaties. I get it. Let's not fund other nations' militaries. Sorry. I don't want to be doing the Ukraine thing either. 
And, but these are Putin talking points. All right. So again, I'm gonna play some of these uh, videos at the bottom here. Um, this well, is for Palestine of should be free, but Palestine should be free. Period. So, you know, I don't want to see Israel destroyed. I don't want to see Palestine destroyed. I want to see, again, a, a way to have peace. But I certainly don't want checkpoints where you have automated weapons, again, automated weapons, just re ready to roll out death. And I certainly don't want an out-of-control IDF, okay? I don't want a culture of death, death and destruction. So again, this is in New York City, um, outside of Schumer's office, I believe, or it's actually his home. Uh, so yeah, we'll hear about that. This uh, is outside, and I think this is uh, last night. Yeah, this is the 6-2. Outside of uh, Neri Bakrat, the former mayor of Jerusalem. Okay, so that again, th this is global. Okay, they don't want war there either. They want these conflicts to end. And, you know, and these are people, these are Israelis inside Israel. They don't like their government. So, uh, once again, thought that was going to be uh, important. You also have um, State Department saying Israelis finance ministers called to wipe out Palestinian village repugnant. Yes. Yes. Good. Good. These comments were irresponsible. They were repugnant. They were disgusting. And just as we condemn Palestinian incitement to violence, we condemn these provocative remarks that, are, uh, that also amount to uh, incitement to violence. Let's give it, let's give a little piece of chance, eh? Can we do that? I don't know. Not with Millie over in Syria. Now listen, Millie is a joke. Millie takes orders. He doesn't run the military. He's he's the the quintessential fail upwards yes man bureaucrat. Okay, that's what he is. He is front man supreme. In fact, if I had to guess, if I had to put my my thinking hat on. And I had to guess who's still really running and, and in many ways has been running the vast amount of actual military operations in the Middle East. Now, that doesn't mean that this person is the end-all, be-all. I'm talking about he's the guy that kind of directs everybody, that makes some phone calls, puts things into place, does discuss it with other um, predator class globalist. It would be David Petraeus. Remember David? Well, we don't hear about Petraeus a lot these days. David Petraeus, that's a guy. That, that's one of those social climbers. That's Bilderberg style, baby. He's not Millie. He's not incompetent. He's in the background. That's how they do things. Mark my words. Mark my words. So I, I have a, a big uh, Assange slash John Kariaku. I played a little bit of this speech. I don't think I'm going to do that today. I do want to remind, I have it, but 
I don't know that we're going to get to it. I kind of want to get to uh, Arnold Exposed. Because I got some DARPA stuff I want to play. I'll probably play that on the second half of the broadcast. Um, But I want to remind people that the CIA openly discussed um, with Israeli front groups, by the way, assassinating, kidnapping Julian Assange while Pompeo was around. And now Pompeo's what? Run, it looks like he's running for president. He's over at CPAC talking Johnny nonsense. Yeah, let's put the ex-director of the CIA, though we lied, we cheated, we stole guy in. That guy. The guy who's throwing Trump under the bus for the economy. And look, a lot of people need to be thrown under the bus for that econ- economy. Because what happened was, at the very end of it, they acted like it was big and successful. They threw it all away with the COVID-1984 nightmare of just printing everything. They see, in a real capitalist system, when things were happening that way, everything would have imploded. And they started to several times. What happened? Supply chains really were being cut and the stock market was crashing. And they just stopped the stock market. Stock market That should show you how corrupt everything is. And all of a sudden... There was all this money everywhere. This inflated bubble. Everybody's just giving free money. And what happened? You had a huge pump and dump in in the crypto market. And you had a consolidation of actual resources. Well, you put small businesses out. And you made everybody's money less valuable. And you ran the inflation train. And you don't think that Pompeo was part of that? Though we lied, we cheated, we stole, and we tried to kill Assange guy. Just like you don't think Barr is a part of that, Bill Barr? He's a piece of CIA trash. Okay? Sorry. Sorry if that offends people. Listen, I'm sure there are are some good people in the the lower echelons of the Central Intelligence Agency. And I'm also sure that some people getting there with maybe the best of intentions. But by God, what a demonic organization, period. <clears throat> All right. All right, we're going to continue on. Uh, we don't even have 100 thumbs up over on YouTube. Guys, let's go. Can we get 150? Same thing with Rumble. We need shares. We need people to find out about the show. Cut up the show. Put up clips on every social media platform. All right? Over on Twitter, at Jason Burmis. Get involved in the threads. Retweet that stuff out. Pump it up. All right. So we're talking about different types of technologies by the Defense Department, especially used utilized in drone warfare. Well, the Reaper UAV is getting its own drone swarm. Oh, yay. Woohoo! <laughs> now, if you watch this broadcast for a while now, you know that we've talked about drone swarms with insect-like autonomy and intelligence working in groups and navigating through and then essentially having some type of either a device that is going to survey the area or annihilate it attached. Sounds great. Fantastic. Um So it looks like the Air Force special uh, operators are rigging the venerable unscrewed aircraft with an ISR swarm 
that may just take uh, one person to control. And remember, we've talked about these non-invasive human brain interfaces wearables where you've got a person that's literally controlling a swarm of drones with his mind or her mind. You sexist bastard, Jason. DARPA to launch high-speed, no-runway aircraft program. Will it be a helicopter, a seaplane, or a whole new thing? First of all, if you don't think something like this already exists, you're a little slow. Of course something like this exists. And if you don't think they have a hybrid drone that lifts... We already know that these things exist on a lower level. Maybe that, that aren't visually going at supersonic or hypersonic speeds. Okay. But again, if you don't think they have different propulsion systems and it's not alien, all right, go back and watch that Peter Thiel. It's, it's, I guess it's most of it's on the, uh, on the premium section. But in a week or so, when it goes free, because every just like today, just like yesterday, more goes free every day, guys. Every two weeks, they go free. Or just watch that whole Peter Thiel Oxford thing. He talks about how basically the technology spigot has been cut off. They're not curing diseases. They're not making great inventions. No, they are underground. They've incentivized it through the military. Okay? And they're withholding it from the public because it would empower us. So, it, you know, this is just them, in my opinion... Getting uh, getting ready to roll out a few more toys, a few new toys. I found this interesting. I hadn't seen this when this uh, was in, was in uh, I think it was probably out there five days ago. So this is number nine in particular. This is uh, Twitter files number 17, the Global Engagement Center. Okay. So you look at this. Uh, on June 8th, 2021, an analyst at the Atlantic Council's Digital Forensic Research Lab wrote to Twitter, Hi, guys. Attached, you will find around 40,000 Twitter accounts that our researchers suspect engaging in inauthentic behavior and Hindu nationalism more broadly. Now, you go through this, and, and what I found was really interesting is look who's part of the GEC Integrity Partnership, DARPA, the CIA, DARPA, the CIA, Homeland Security, the NSA, DARPA. <laughs> we talk about DARPA a lot here. You know, yeah, the FBI is here, the Cyber Commission. Yeah, there's DARPA. DARPA is part of the Global Engagement Center. Of course they are. We focus on it because it's a big deal. It matters. All right, let's keep on down the line. Keep on down the line. Actually, you know, we got we got 20 minutes left. So maybe we're gonna we're gonna do this now. Man, that, that's tough because I've got a lot of Arnold stuff I want to do today, too, because Arnold's talking Nazis. And that's what I've promised. So that's that is what we're gonna do. Now, ArnoldExposed.com, it's still up there. All right. Um, there's a portion of a documentary film. Uh, 9-11, Martial Law, 2005, Rise of the Police State, Alex Jones. This is before I worked with him, but this is when the production value started to go up. Okay? And Arnold put this video out. We're going to play this message. Well, that, You know what? That's probably what we're going to go to.
That's probably where we got to go from here. You take a look. I mean, Arnold was a chauvinist. These are actors. They put on stories. So ArnoldExposed.com. And this is why, you know, Jones, you say what you want. He's not perfect. He's a pioneer. I, I still wear that Obey Arnold shirt. Okay? And this is a big deal. And Arnold is grandstanding now and talking about the rise in hate crime and anti-Semitism. That's all bullshit. There is no rise in that. All right? Does it exist? Yeah. Some people are hateful. Is it a real threat? No, it's over-dramatized and generalized because it's the new narrative to go after people's speech and go into thought crimes and pre-crimes. And the Nazi ties to Arnold, before we even go down into this, I want to show people this. This is 2007 with his buddy Bloomberg. You know, his, his billionaire buddy, Bloomberg, great guy. We all love Michael Bloomberg, too. They, they always surround themselves with great people. <laughs> so 2007, this is how concerned he is. You notice the belt buckle here? Is that normal? To wear the Nazi death's head? The Nazi death's head as your belt buckle with your billionaire buddy? And that's the thing. The Nazi ideal set, you know, what, what bothers me is he starts going into the camps. And he, he's only talking about the Jewish people they killed. Yeah, they killed plenty of those people. Killed a lot of gypsies, too. Killed a lot of dissidents. Killed a lot of the feeble-minded Eugenics was a movement. We talk about the feeble-minded and eugenics in the United States. It was a movement to get rid of your enemies. To get rid of those you thought you were superior to. Here he is, Mr. Beltbuckle with the Mr. Billionaire. Okay? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I admire Adolf Hitler's speaking abilities, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, he... That, you know, he... It's a, Having the discussion with George Butler three decades ago. Uh, I think it's in Pumping Iron. That's among many, many things. All right. So Arnold exposed here. I want to go down the line a little bit. Just, just some of the things. And then I've got Alex Jones' uh, martial law that will probably do a bit of a watch along in the Nazi section. Because I know I also had requests about Smedley Butler and his story. Maybe we'll play that section, the Nazi section, the Arnold section, uh, over on the paid portion of the broadcast. Okay, but you take a look at this. Okay, and then we're going to play Arnold's little message together. I mean, multiple stories about um, Arnold. Okay, female creep. Let's just, just in one case, on the set of Terminator 2, he approached a female crew member on the, on the, on the blue, uh, put his hands into her blouse and pulled her breasts out of her bra. An observer said, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. This woman's nipples were exposed. And here's Arnold, a few of his clones laughing. The woman in question broke into tears and fled into a nearby trailer. See Arnold the Barbarian, an article by Premier Magazine in March 2001 for more revelations should you be able to stomach it. Remember that? Did you hear anything about the Me Too? You're right. I go watch the carnival. I mean, take, listen, Jones did a bang up job on this site. In November of 2000, he pulled British TV commentator Anna Richardson onto his lap 
okay, onto his lap after an interview, grabbed her breasts and squeezed her nipple, all without any kind of permission. She stood up and told him, you're making me nervous. But Arnold told her to relax and pulled her back onto his knee. Finally, he let her up, patting her behind as she went off. Richardson has since filed a libel action. I mean, so, you know, th th this is the guy. Drugs and pornography. I care less about the marijuana. You know, just the, the pornography stuff, you know. Uh, let's just say you got to look into that yourself. Racism and Nazi links. Kurt Waldheim. Okay. His member was a member of the Nazi party. That, that's the other thing. I, I'm, I didn't watch the whole message. Only watched about half of it. So I'm not sure. I've seen Arnold invoke the, the, um, the fact that his father was a Nazi and saying that, you know, you have to do better. Again, this is an actor. This is a social climber. This is somebody who got into politics and became the governor. All right? So, ArnoldExposed.com still got some pretty good links there. It's still around after all these years. Let's hear uh, Arnold's message to everybody about hate and anti-Semitism. Hello, everybody. I want to talk to you today about the rising hate and anti-Semitism we've seen all over the world. You know, a few months ago, I toured Auschwitz, the Nazi concentration camp, where 1.1 million men, women, and children lost their lives. Almost all of them were ruthlessly murdered simply because they were Jewish. Again, he had the Nazi belt buckle next to a billionaire on the cover of Time magazine in 2007. When you walk through a place like Auschwitz, you feel a tremendous weight. They remind us everywhere of the horrors that happened there. The suitcases never claimed by the prisoners who were told to remember exactly where they left their belongings so they could retrieve them after they were finished with the showers. The shoes and the gold teeth and the hair that were taken from the murdered to be reused by the murderers to fund their... You know, again, I just... They got this shot all nice. Yeah, you know, look at all this regalia he's got in the room. You got to wonder what he's got in his other rooms. The ones he's not shooting things in. You know, you don't think he has things there? He's got that kind of a belt buckle that he's proudly wearing. Give me a break. This guy's a phony. He's a fraud. Evil. The logbooks with thousands of names crossed out as if a cruel accountant only measured death. The gas chambers with scratches in the walls from the fingernails of people who tried to hold on to life. I mean, the, the way they draw, think of the piano music, the shots, the script, the, the focus. I mean, the, the focus on, you know, disturbing, disgusting death. But not focusing on what? The ideal set, those in power that funded it, the big pharmaceutical and chemical companies that came out of it, the intelligence networks that born, were born out of it, you know, the executive within the executive, the actual military industrial complex that was built on the back of World War II. The crematorium 
but the Nazis tried to erase all of the atrocities. Let me tell you something. The weight on your back hits you at the very beginning heavier than any squat I've ever done. And it never goes away. It's the feeling of history, of millions of voices that were silenced decades ago, begging you, begging you, not to just look at their shoes, but to spend a few hours in them. This man is so just, oh boy, our, boy, oh boy. You're going to, I'll tell you what, you'll, you'll at least want to go listen on the flip side of this. But redvoicemedia.com slash Jason, sign up. You sign up for a buck for the first 10 days right now, or seven days, I'm sorry. Sign up for a buck. It's 10 bucks a month, $100 again. Um, but you, you can go just watch the entire 9-11 martial law film, which is excellent, which is one of Alex Jones's best works, by the way. It's very well done. It's good. It's old school. 2005. So it's, I think it's the same year, yeah, as uh, Loose Change Second Edition that came out. So, so let's continue with Arnold and, and the farce here. Yeah, if you actually think he believes this, or he's shook up, and he's now he's now thinking about uh, Dachau and the camps, give me a break. Imagine you were there, because once you imagined that you arrived on that train, sorted into those lines, and you smelled the smoke that didn't smell like any wood you've ever burned before, and you never saw your families coming out of those showers. And then you worked your butt off while getting almost nothing to eat until you looked more like a ghost than a person. And then when you couldn't work anymore and they considered you useless, they sent you to the showers too. Once you've spent the time to really think about all of those things, then your imagination has no choice but to start the real work. How do we stop this from ever happening again? Doing a bad job. You know what Arnold's not going to tell you about? Is what? The Office of Hygiene. Oh, there's an unclean segment of the population that needs to be regulated by the state. How do we stop things like that, Arnold? You know, after a trip to Auschwitz, you would never question why never again is the rallying cry of all of the people who fight to prevent another holocaust you will never question that but today i don't really want to talk to people i don't want to preach to the choir here today i want to talk to the people out there who might have have already stumbled into the wrong direction into the wrong path oh the wrong direction and the wrong path I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna say it again. I think it's pretty important to point out this guy right here with with the death's head Nazi. Like that's not he knows what he's wearing. Ask him about Gustav, old Pappy. Okay, it's just so disingenuous, so disingenuous. I want to talk to you. If you've heard some conspiracies about Jewish people or people of any race or gender orientation and thought, ah, that makes sense to me. I want to talk to you if you found yourself thinking about anyone is inferior and out to get you because of their religion or the color of the skin or their gender. I don't know. 
the road that has brought you here. But I've seen enough people throw away their futures for hateful beliefs. So I want to speak to you before you find your regrets on the end of that path. I've talked a lot about my father, the broken man that I was surrounded by when I grew up in Austria after the Second World War. Yeah. Yeah. Again, you act like now you weren't saying things like you admired the way Hitler spoke. You act now like you weren't wearing that belt buckle. You act now like you're just so ashamed of the sins of your father. You know, the Nazi. You know, they drank to numb their pain. Their bodies were riddled with injuries and shrapnels from the evil war. And their hearts and their minds were equally riddled with guilt. But besides the guilt, the injuries, they felt like losers. Not only because they lost the war, but also because they fell for a horrible loser ideology. They were lied to and misled into a path that ended in misery. I'll say right now, that is actually true. But at the same time, we're losers. Because whether we know it or not, all right, we have allowed that type of ideology to take hold behind the scenes on a global scale. And just now, the vast majority of the population after the last several years, okay, in the COVID-1984 nightmare, those that were not awake to that, that there is a bigger plan, a bigger plot that has been enabled, a loser ideology that's being followed, they've woken up to that. All right? So, so look, it's beyond the nation state. It's grown. All right, but they still want to fit you into political parties and right and left. And this is really making it so that you're not supposed to challenge this new ideology of collectivism, right? Of transhumanism, of subservience, of track trace database digital currencies, of biomedical tyranny. Some of them joined the Nazis because they were filled with hate. Some of them joined because they thought they deserved more in their lives. And they bought into that idea that the only way to make their lives better was to make other lives worse. Some of them joined because they were frustrated with the government and some of them just joined because everyone else was doing it. In the end, it didn't really matter why they joined. They were all broken in the same way. That's the bottom line here. I mean, if you find yourself at the crossroads, wondering if that path of hate might make sense to you for one reason or the other, or even wrapping yourself with a flag of hate, I want you to know where that path ends. You know, some of them were just in the military. And more and more, um, you know, you have, to, you have to understand that perspective. Many of the people in World War II on the German side weren't hardened Nazis. You know, that's, uh, maybe that's not a popular opinion, but like when I watch something, um, I guess not watch, but play something like Call of Duty World War II, I'm glad that they point that out uh, throughout the story. In fact, one of the uh, main characters, uh, Sussman, is a uh, German Jew. Okay, so he's at, his family's actually from Germany, has family there, and he's sympathetic to uh, the German soldiers. You know, basically saying, hey, they're soldiers just like us. 
the ideal set horrible but when you look back on that ideal set so much of it what they were actually doing was hidden from the public via propaganda same thing history repeating itself i want you to see very clearly in front of you and in mind because throughout history hate has always been the easy path the path of least resistance i get it and i mean it's easier to find a scapegoat for a problem than to try to make things better ourselves right but let me be clear you will not find success on the end of the road you will not find fulfillment or happiness because hate burns fast and bright i don't know how hate is an easy path to me uh hate's a really dark path i try to bring as much love into my life as possible i hope you guys do too i get bummed out when i'm not getting along with people or i'm not happy on a regular basis or i'm not around people that want to do stuff and you know smile and find a way around the darkness because well, we're surrounded by darkness i i hate having to report on the fact that airports are being bombed okay and syrians are being killed i hate that all right i hate um the hate and lies that have been injected into the public arena of the last several years in a way most of us can't imagine but it happened so the deal if you like the broadcast uh we're a few minutes away from going uh, full premium you um redvoicemedia.com redvoicemedia.com slash uncensored redvoicemedia.com slash jason go sign up one dollar first week ten bucks a month or lock it in really support the broadcast get that hundred dollar one and you get 12 months that means two months free plenty of new shows coming in which is awesome uh in fact what is today tuesday i believe there there is an afternoon show uh rvm network continues to grow i want to thank everybody who is coming over uh couldn't do it without you guys uh but maybe just maybe you want to listen so you can come over to uh the info warrior channel on podbean where we're streaming the entire audio live and do it that way i want to remind everybody i'm a documentary filmmaker loose change final cut fabled enemies invisible empire a new world order defined and shade the motion picture are free right here right now everywhere sorry a little indigestion you know i'm gonna get a little water i don't know how i do it sometimes two hours with none sometimes i sneak it in guys thumbs up subscribe and share on the way out but i want people to remember arnold schwarzenegger doesn't care about this stuff okay arnold schwarzenegger is a proven sociopath through all of his behavior arnoldexposed.com and we're gonna play a bunch of uh 9-11 martial law okay rise of the police state go watch that film that's two and a half hour film by the way we're going to watch the Nazi section, all right? And um, big time on the Arnold Schwarzenegger stuff. I think we might even finish some of the Schwarzenegger stuff up as well. Uh, but let's leave it one at a time, and I'll cue to my producer to go over to the uh, premium section of the broadcast. Rockfin, we will see you later. Um, YouTube on the flip. Uh, goodbye, Twitter. We appreciate it. 
and rumble, we're, we're going to keep on rumbling with or without the Muffin Man. All right. We are officially there. I'm going to wait for my text message until we get really going. I know that you guys over at uh, Podbean are a listening. Uh, but we're going to go back to Arnold Schwarzenegger. And then we're going to go over to 9-11 uh, Martial Law, the Alex Jones InfoWars film that you can still uh, find free out there. Because, again, Alex Jones, uh, a true pioneer in the independent media game, period. And to, to deny that is just, listen, I don't love everything Alex does or says or everything that InfoWars puts out there, um, but I'm sure glad they're around. I'm sure glad we got them. See, do we have it? We are good to go. Let's cut back to Arnold, the Schwarzenegger. It might make you feel empowered for a while, but eventually consumes whatever best it feels. And Charlottesville. It's the path of the weak. And that's why there has never been a successful movement based on hate. I mean, think about that. The Nazis... Losers, the Confederacy, losers, the apartheid movement, losers, and the list goes on and on. I don't want you to be a loser. I don't want you to be weak. See, I've spent most of my life helping people find their strength. I'm a good guy. Okay. This is where the action is, strength. And despite all of the things that we may disagree about, and all my friends who might say, Arnold, don't talk to those people. It's not worth it. I don't care what they say. I care about you. I think you're worth it. I know that nobody is perfect. I can tell you this firsthand. Oh, I bet. And I can understand how people can fall into a trap of prejudice and hate. It's the guy that fathered a son with his unattractive maid, and that's not to knock her. But, I mean, Schwarzenegger was sticking it into every single thing that he possibly could. I would not doubt if there are many other bastard kids around the globe other than Joseph Baia. I mean, this is a grade A sociopath. Okay? Grade A. Whether you grow up surrounded by hate or get sucked into by some of Big Tech's algorithms that push you to the extreme. See, Big Tech and their algorithms. I think all of us hold some prejudice. There's no two ways about that. And we have to fight it our whole lives. I know this is not the path of least resistance. It's easy to just throw around some bogus science claiming that you're superior to someone else than it is to actually work on becoming better yourself. I mean, again, like, if you think that that, like, here's the Proud Boys, if that's white supremacy, like, it's ridiculous. It's so stupid. I mean, if you're throwing that up to be like some kind of white supremacist or whatever, that's ridiculous too. It's easier to make excuses that the Jewish people conspired to hold you back than it is to admit that you just needed to work harder. It's easier to hate than it is to learn. It's easier when someone challenges you to get hurty feelings and to go and find some echo chamber that will tell you that you are right and they're wrong. But remember, easier isn't better. It is. When you spend your life looking for scapegoats, you take away your own responsibility. See, a lot of this is true. I mean, that part's totally true. I See, 
it only takes what one percent half a percent for the poison to be there you know the poison here is you know associating nazism with going against these types of agenda pushing this idea that racism and hate and anti-semitism is everywhere and that's the new uh, that's the new enemy right okay but the idea that you don't have power and blaming it on others listen individually you got to do your own thing you remove your own power you steal your own strength nobody who has chosen the easy path of hate has gotten to the end of that road and said oh what a life no they die as miserably as they lived no matter how far you've gone i want you to know that you will have the chance to choose a life of strength but you have to give up your war against everyone that you hate let's give up that war whether you hate them because of their color of the skin or their religion or their gender or their sexual orientation it doesn't matter give it up give up that war you know the war that you have to really fight is the war against yourself you have to fight the war against yourself now it's not easy to look in the mirror and to change your own life it's hard as hell you have to take responsibility you have to learn new things you have to feel uncomfortable good because discomfort is how we grow that's how we become strong if you run away from discomfort and resist you know at least they didn't throw in some kind of like trans athlete because that's where i would have drawn the line right I, mean, I wouldn't be surprised still three plus more minutes whether we're going to sneak something like that in there which again they love to sneak this i mean how could you disagree with arnold the misogynist death's head nazi sympathizer guy who loves billionaires how could you disagree with arnold since your whole life always be weak just think about the gym for instance now that's where i learned most of my lessons right the muscles only grows from resistance you have to struggle you have to build strength the more i force my hands against that steel bar the bigger the biceps get and the stronger they get and i was trying to squat 600 pounds and bench press 500 pounds and deadlift 700. it didn't feel like a walk in the park it wasn't easy no I was uncomfortable. It was painful. I mean, look at those photos. I was struggling. I was crying out loud in pain. I was doing gay porno mags. What? Oh, did I say that? Why don't you look that up? Why don't you look up some of the, the nude modeling that uh, our, our houseboy may have done? I believe that's covered in what we're about to go over next. You know something? Your mind and your character are no different than your body and your muscles. If you want to grow as a person, you really have to make friends with pain. Embrace the discomfort. Enjoy the struggle. You have two paths in front of you right now. One of them is going to be the harder one today. It's going to be downright painful. You will have to force your brain to think ways. You might lose some friends who want to hold on to their weak beliefs, but as you pull yourself away from that anger and that hate, eventually you will start to feel empowered. You will realize that you have the greatest power of all, the power to change your own life. Which I agree with. We are, we all, listen, all have individual power and you do have the power to change your own life. Um, 
but again, like this idea of division and losing friendships, I don't think that you necessarily have to lose people because you have a different ideal set. I think that feeds into that idea. You know, you've referenced the civil war and people are talking about the national divorce. There, there's not, I've not seen a rise in hate in this country. Sorry. That's an illusion. You will be stronger than you've ever known. The other path is easy, much easier. You don't have to change anything. Everything in your life that you aren't happy about can be someone else's fault. You can keep fueling yourself on the sugar high of hate. But that there's a shit. Who has a sugar high of hate? It's ridiculous. End of that road isn't pretty. I've seen it with my own eyes. You will end up broken, searching for ways to numb your pain and your misery. See, I don't want you to go through all of that. Unnecessary. Let me tell you something. When I walked through that camp in Auschwitz, and I put myself in the shoes of those people herded into those gas chambers, it was horrifying. One of the darkest moments of my life. But in that darkness, a woman who survived the horrors of Auschwitz helped me find the light. I spent some time with her. Had a wonderful conversation with her. And she told me that the Nazis could conquer cities and countries. They could take her freedom, her friends, her family, even her life. But they could never conquer her mind. You know what? Man, there's 37 seconds. We should probably play it. That's good news. I, I don't want my mind conquered either. Uh, but you see it every day. The psychological operations continue. And at the end of the day, this transhumanist movement wants to get directly into your mind via human brain interfaces. Actually, I have that History Channel clip. It's almost like I should almost play that before I play... Um, and maybe I'll play that before I play Martial Law. What strength that woman had. Wow. So, the bottom line is, I don't care how many hateful things you may have written online. I don't care how often you've marched with carrying that hateful flag. Or what hateful things you may have said in anger. There's still hope for you. There's still time for you. Choose strength. Choose life. Conquer your mind. I didn't know it was going to, you know, turn into train spotting at the end. Choose life. <laughs> All right. So this is uh, a piece that was on the History Channel talking about DARPA and human brain interfaces. And look, they've got the Skinwalker Ranch guy. But I think it's important just for people to understand. They, they want to conquer your mind. This isn't over. And a lot of what you just watched was actually part of the mind control program, the Hollyweird program, the entertainment program, the political process. March 16th, 2018. The U.S. government's Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, commonly known as DARPA, announces a bold initiative to develop what they call Next Generation Non-Surgical Neurotechnology. It is designed to allow the human brain 
to directly interface with machines. We know that DARPA is exploring human-machine interfaces that include direct connections between the brain and outside system. That's been from the beginning of DARPA's information technology mission, and it continues to this day. DARPA has created some of the most influential technologies of all time, things that we use and take for granted every day, including the project that became the internet. They've created driving cars, stealth technology, GPS that fits in your pocket. That's DARPA's specialty, to imagine the future and create it. A new technology that is actually very much on the verge of being a reality that is being fielded is we could have a sensor maybe on the surface of our, of our head or maybe implanted somewhere in our body, in our brain or, or something. See, the non-surgical stuff. Forget about just Neuralink. Uh, I, again, that guy, not my favorite guy. But, you know, you're looking at somebody right there that already has a hook in. All right. Uh, this is real. That allows us to interact directly with our communications gear, our processing gear, our weapon systems, and so on. But now imagine we take that technology and we can control robots at a distance with it. Even fly drones. You put this sensor on and then you think the right way and you can increase the speed of the fan by thinking and controlling that thought. With and remember, we're talking about now drone swarms with that technology accompanying um, fighter jets. That's exactly what we were talking about earlier. This. Direct to mind or mind machine interfacing. With that type of capability, you could control all sorts of buttons and, and mechanisms in equipment. Mind machine interfaces will have many applications in both civilian and military life. But there are those who believe that this same technology could also be used by DARPA as a new form of mind control. Yeah. Like their counterparts at the CIA, DARPA-funded researchers have spent decades investigating how the human mind can be altered. In 1965, DARPA launched Project Pandora, which studied the possibility of using microwave radiation to control human behavior. The project reportedly ended in 1969, but DARPA's investigation of how machines can affect and possibly control the brain continues to this day. And I want to point out the radiation part, because that involves what? The Department of Energy, the DOE. The Department of Energy has been talked about a lot here because it's, a, it's, it's one of those organizations that's really part of the executive within the executive that's in these black programs that are need to know and outside of the traditional executive. There are explicit programs of DARPA to read and write to human brains, whether it's through direct implants within the brain or wearing some kind of cap. So these things are being done and we know that. So what's the next step? Maybe the next step is we can send instructions and information to an actual person from a distance with this kind of technology. And they've already demonstrated that 
via the Rand uh, Corporation paper, uh, the MIT study that we constantly reference here on the program. Just want to point that out. Oh, no. oh, hit the wrong thing. We want to go back to the DARPA. Sorry, guys. March 16th, on, 2018. Plan, plan to the DARPA to control this kind of technology to the other person control their actions. But that could be something that could be malicious. If there's some way to do it from a distance, a much greater distance than something that you can wear on your scalp, that would be the ultimate technological achievement that would fall into this realm of mind control and direct human machine interface that DARPA may well want to keep secret. In the near future, DARPA may possess the technology to remotely control the human mind. But as concerning as that may be, according to some scientists, a more permanent kind of mind control technology is looming. And it involves modifying the human brain by altering the human body's DNA. The future of mind control, and the future being right because uh, these experiments are being done, is using gene tools. And one of them is, would be CRISPR. The way it works is take the CRISPR, which are these short alternating repeats of DNA. You put that together with an enzyme called Cas. And so you take the CRISPR that you want to use and you put these pieces together that can be injected and insert this DNA to certain areas of the brain so that we can change brain cells and turn you into something you wouldn't otherwise be. So in this way, gene editing technologies like CRISPR really form a definite basis for future mind control. These are things that DARPA has investigated. Every technology has the potential for good or evil. And who defines what's good and what's evil and who uses it for what purpose? These are all questions that have been asked about everything from rockets to self-driving vehicles. We still don't have a good handle on the ethics of various technologies that we use. The technologists tend not to be so concerned with the ethics. That seems to be the domain of other people, policymakers, for example, academics, people like this. There needs to be a hand-in-hand -hand interaction with people creating technology and those who are considering the ethics of that technology. That's not how it works. No, no, no. There's unfortunately a ruling class, a predator class that has decided that directed evolution is their thing, that the vast majority of us are unnecessary that we will be automated out, that they will tinker with the species with CRISPR and other technology and try to utilize transhumanist uh, tech for them to biologically live forever while they absurdly convince the public to uh, slowly and then rapidly euthanize themselves, believing that they are going to be in a virtual uh, universe, that they can upload their consciousness. Wish that wasn't the nightmare we're living. It's the nightmare we're living. With that being said, I want to go back to Arnold. I want to go back um, to this uh, subsection of the Nazis and Skull and Bones, the Death's Head. Man, I, I, I wonder how... It's almost like... 
there's so much good stuff. He has the Grove here, and uh, and we're let, let's start with the Grove. Let's let's see when do we get to actual Arnold? See, that's too long because it's it's thirty. Um, let's go to Arnold. Let, let, let's get rid of some of this Nazi stuff. Unfortunately, we got Smedley Butler. That's probably a good good spot. J.P. Morgan, Smedley Butler. Let's do that. American line, for example, which was the first Nazi front business seized, although the line was no longer operational in 1942. In the early 1930s, it transported Nazi spies into the U.S., and then their promotional ads offered cash rewards to any American citizens who would go back on Hamburg American lines and proselytize for Hitler eight months after the U.S. had entered the war. The New York uh, Herald Tribune ran a front page article, Hitler's Angel has three million in U.S. Bank. And it caused a major scandal and just rocked the world of politics. Brown Brothers Harriman, which George Herbert Walker and Prescott Bush were affiliated with and partners in, uh, worked with IG Farben, which operated Auschwitz. Prescott Bush, he did a number of things that were not only anti-American, but were pro-Hitler. And he did all that he could to proselytize for Hitler and the rise of his Third Reich, because the largest client, Fritz Thiessen, of his patron, W. Averill Hammond, dictated what kind of behavior he would practice to enhance his own career. Yeah. So, so again, the Bush dynasty, and remember, you know, you, they put... W in, okay, the, the, the idiot W, the and bones W, all right, Nazi roots, just want to point that out. So he was put on the board of directors of Union Banking Corporation, and he was also a shareholder in Union Banking Corporation, along with E. Roland Harriman. But what's interesting about what the documents show is that they clearly state that all shareholders were phantom shareholders for Fitz Thiessen and did his bidding directly. So the point I'm making is it's not as if they bought these shares of stock, passive investment to hopefully profit from the war. They were directly doing the bidding of the individual who built the Nazi war machine. Uh, some very shocking documents that I saw at the Library of Congress uh, two weeks ago on August 10th, uh, on August 9th, excuse me, had to do with the of the McCormick-Dickstein Committee of November 1934 show that Prescott Bush and the uh, DuPont family, the Remington family, and J.P. Morgan tried to overthrow the U.S. government, assassinate FDR, and put a Hitler-style fascist state in place. I haven't... So, so this is the Smedley-Butler story. My possession, testimony from the McCormick-Dickstein Committee in November of 1934 by one of the fascist plotters that they were going to follow Hitler's model exactly and impose martial law on the United States, round up unemployed people that were worth the economy and troublemakers and Jews and put them into internment camps. And their plan was, if necessary, to exterminate the people that could not be part of the effort the only reason the coup attempt in 1934 didn't succeed is that they led, they hired the wrong general to lead it, General Smedley Butler, the great Marine hero, two-time Congressional Medal of Honor winner, who worked with the plotters just long enough to be able to identify who they were and then blew the whistle on them to Congress. In so again, 
they loved that Nazi model. And the people that are put out as saviors love that model. That's why the, the Schwarzenegger thing is so repugnant to me. Incredibly, after being warned by the FBI and the Justice Department and the Treasury Department to cease and desist in their Nazi dealings, they had continued them until 1951. There had been 28 additional seizures of Nazi assets and Nazi business fronts between late 1942 and 1951, and that they had moved Nazi assets into Switzerland, Brazil, Argentina, and Panama, and they had continued to do business with their primary Nazi patron, who was Fritz Thiessen, who backed Hitler beginning in 1921, and who was the wealthiest man in Germany, and a steel and coal baron, who with his partner, Friedrich Flick, essentially built the Nazi war machine along with IG Farben. In and again, these companies, uh, th this is the techno-fascism evolving, all right, in this military-industrial complex that is global, that goes by many faces, all right, that is international. These companies became international. 1951, when uh, Fritz Thiessen died in Argentina, Union Banking Corporation was liquidated by the U.S. government, and Prescott Bush received $1.5 million for his holdings in his Nazi business, and that was the beginning of the Bush family fortune for all intents and purposes. George Bush doesn't take his philosophical foundation from the Bible or the teachings of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. George Bush takes his inspiration from what he learned in Skull and Bones and from the Thule Society that Hitler and Goebbels and Goring cut their teeth in, Bohemian Grove, these evil organizations that perpetrate the ugly things that these criminals are doing to this country for which they must be held accountable. Now you look at the Republican National Convention this week and you bring in Arnold Schwarzenegger to speak last night. Schwarzenegger is the son of a Nazi. He has praised Nazis. He has praised Hitler. He talked last night in terms like we will not falter. We will not waver. We will win this war on terror. He's a leader who doesn't flinch, who doesn't waver and does not back down. Well, that's exactly the speeches that Hitler made after the Reichstag fire. And not only that, remember, he admired the way he spoke. There's old Schwarzenegger back in Bush. He does not back down. Terrorism and the homeland being under attack are precisely the issues that Hitler used to subvert everything within the German system of government. This is a criminal regime. They not only emulate Hitler, but its genesis comes from Hitler. And I defy anyone, a historian, journalist, author, anyone, to come forward and disprove my premise that you cannot differentiate Hitler's invasion of Poland in 1939 and the Reichstag fire and his attempt to dominate the world from George W. Bush's unprovoked invasion of Iraq and subversion of the Constitution through the Patriot Act after 9-1-1, which I submit is his Reichstag fire. Karl Rove and his minions are every bit the masters of propaganda that Joseph Goebbels was. They literally took lessons from Goebbels and Goring about how to create such brilliant propaganda that unreality can become reality, and reality can be subverted to fantasy political subterfuge right before your eyes. So there's just an endless broken record 
that is leading up to the present era that the Bush family has had a single goal for a hundred years, which is to become the most powerful family on the planet and to rule the world. And they are on the verge of doing that under George W. Bush. It's critical that every citizen of this country rise up and do something because the day of reckoning is at hand. And uh, these people are Nazis. They are practicing Nazi philosophy. They are mimicking Nazi tactics and time is running out. By the way, if you saw that, Bring it back. Hold on. Maybe I suggest to doing that under George W. Bush. It's critical that every citizen of this country rise up and do something because the day of reckoning is at hand. And uh, these people are Nazis. They are practicing Nazi philosophy. They there. That's the death set. Right there. Right there. That's the one Arnold. More. are mimicking Nazi tactics and time is running out. And now it's being reported that the architect of the Bush administration's policies, Carl Rove, is the grandson of Carl Rover, a Gauleiter or governor over an entire state in Nazi Germany. Pulitzer Prize winning journalist Bob Woodward, reporting on a Bush rally, said that Carl Rove likened the meeting to a Nazi rally. Now the Bush-Rove-Schwarzenegger nexus is promoting worldwide war in the name of America's safety to stop the threat of terrorism. The same secret society that fed and supported Adolf Hitler is now supporting a move towards world government. And Karl Rove is out there on point, pushing Arnold Schwarzenegger for president. Yep. I'm today. We don't know what well. what to make of the, what, the fact that he seemed to be somewhat a part of the winner's circle, do we? We don't know why he was so much in evidence today. Well, he's the Republican well. governor of the most populous state in the union who is uh, very supportive. He's an, his old friend of 41's. The San Francisco Chronicle reported the decision to have Arnold run was made by Rove at the Bohemian Grove. You've got to hand it to the political wizards. Tens of thousands of Republicans at the RNC praising and chanting for a man who's for open borders and rabidly against the Second Amendment, but they've been told to worship him, so they are. This isn't the first time we've been fooled by foreign usurpers. There was another interesting meeting in Madison Square Garden back in February of 1939 by the Boone or the American Nazi Party. Jones was coming the into very his own. same venue where Bush and Schwarzenegger gave their speeches in 2004, the American Nazi Party promoted the vision of Adolf Hitler. In fact, the Nazi Party in America was very, very popular. The people hadn't yet seen the danger. Because while the American people slept, Nazi agents like Prescott Bush were working overtime for the right. And Arnold's father, Gustav Schwarzenegger, was busy too, volunteering for the Nazi party in Austria when it was illegal and becoming an SS officer. And Karl Rove, reportedly his grandfather again, was a Gauleiter or a governor over an entire German state. Mr. Fritz Kuhn. You all have heard of me through the Jewish control press as a creature with horns, a cloven hook, and a long tail. If you ask 
what we are actively fighting for under our charter. I will here repeat the declaration I made public some time ago. First, a social, just, white, Gentile ruled United States. Second, all the American Nazis talked about was how much they loved America, how pro-USA they were. And a lot of the public bought it. And the fathers and grandfathers of the men who run our country today were in full support of the boon. It's now the 21st century, and things have gotten a lot slicker. The question is, will the public buy it? California Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger. Curious driver of the Kennedy family, divorced him, said no more, got out of there. Thank you. Did I wake up in the middle of a Twilight Zone or Outer Limits episode? The American people cheering and chanting the name of someone whose homeland is Austria and who openly talks about being a dictator all the time? Thank you very much. Thank you. What a greeting. Arnold wants to be our leader, our Fuhrer. And as American citizens, we have a right to exposing, and that's what we're about to do. From CBS's 60 Minutes to NBC's Meet the Press, Arnold has been all over the airwaves, pushing for amending the Constitution and run for president. High-level members of his gubernatorial campaign have now started a national movement to repeal Article 2, Clause 5 of the U.S. Constitution. That- and by the way, I think that this was one of those things that Jones had an impact on. You know, he was king of the underground even then. And political figures were very well aware of him and especially what he was doing in the realm of 9-11 and taking on the Bush family. All right. And look, I'm not saying that Alex Jones, the only reason that they didn't try to push Schwarzenegger more, uh, but Certainly, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. This this was a, a great job by Alex. Blocks foreign-born from the presidency. In November of 2004, former President George Herbert Walker Bush gave Schwarzenegger the George Bush Award at his presidential library in College Station, Texas. And he told the crowd, don't bet against Arnold Schwarzenegger. There's a good chance he's going to end up being our president. Arnold Schwarzenegger positioned himself into the Kennedy family by marrying Maria Shriver. And now she's out shilling for him, but saying, it's for other foreigners, not for my husband. Change it for everybody. It's fair. Just trust me. For well over a year, every day they're in the newspapers or on television, pushing to change the Constitution. And now Schwarzenegger, in an authorized biography, has told the Kennedy biographer, that yes, there is a secret plan to put him into the White House. And the powerful head of the Senate Judiciary Committee, Orrin Hatch, has introduced what is called the Arnold Bill. There are other pieces of legislation introduced by other congressmen like Dana Rohrbacher in the House. They just continue pushing and pushing and pushing, despite the fact that... And remember, Rohrbacher was the guy that pushed the Iraq War... He said that they were going to throw uh, rose petals at our feet. It was going to be in and out. He's also the guy that Trump sent 
to meet with Julian Assange at the Ecuadorian embassy to try to cut a deal that didn't get cut. Just want to point that out, too. Major polls, 80 plus percent of Americans are against changing the Constitution for Schwarzenegger. But we've got to take the threat seriously. Because after a year of propaganda, the numbers have dropped to 65% being against it. And then you have to ask yourself, what will those numbers be in four years? The elite love Arnold Schwarzenegger because he has an international appeal. And they've been very carefully grooming him for his role as American president inside the New World Order. That's why we've used Americans Against Arnold and the website ArnoldExposed.com in a desperate attempt to stop this foreign usurper. Efforts by supporters of California Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger to change the United States Constitution are not sitting well with a Texas radio host. Alex Jones claims he raised $5,000 in just two hours to combat the campaign for a constitutional amendment to make non-native citizens eligible to serve as president. Oh, Jonesy. Just weaving an end. Jones says he will run TV ads in Austin, Texas and Sacramento, California, opposing the amendment drive. Now let's look at the men who hold the strings connected to the marionette. Here are two different San Francisco Chronicle articles revealing that it was Carl Rove at Bohemian Grove that set the strategy for Arnold's successful gubernatorial win. An article in the Scotsman newspaper in September of 2002 openly showed Arnold Schwarzenegger with Warren Buffett and Lord Rothschild and said they were there meeting at the Rothschild Castle to discuss business strategies. In the article, they talked about how he was lining up his run for U.S. president a year before he ran for governor. In the middle of the Enron-engineered California energy crisis, Arnold met secretly with Michael Milken, the junk bond dealer, and Kenneth Lay at a Beverly Hills hotel. The federal government has now released documents from the event. And guess what they were doing at the meeting? Discussing how to cover up Enron's culpability. Arnold ran for governor promising that he wouldn't take special interest money. Guess what? He's broken all previous records for taking corporate money. Shocking. Like other famous Austrians we can think of, Arnold is obsessed with being king of the world. He's told friends, family, newspapers, magazines, over and over again, that he wants to be ruler of the world, that he dreams of being a dictator, that he wants to be worshipped at a Nuremberg-style rally like Hitler. Rolling Stone reported on it in the 70s. The London Guardian and CNN in 2003 both reported how he told friends and family of a recurring dream where he walks the earth as our ruler and of a 50-year plan he had as a young man to become world ruler. In 1990, he told US News and World Report, my relationship to power and authority is that I'm all for it. People need somebody to watch over them. 95% of the people in the world need to be told what to do and how to behave. Following in the footsteps of dictators before him, Arnold loves to be seen with giant images of himself behind him. The cult of personality concept in politicians is totally alien to America's history. But it's second nature to people like Kim Jong-il, dictator of North Korea, and ousted dictator Saddam Hussein of Iraq. It was pioneered by Alexander the Great and used to great effect by the Roman emperors. Hitler and Stalin just loved it because it made the people feel insignificant. In the dystopic novel 1984, Huge portraits of Big Brother stare down on the slaves. 
But after all, Arnold's just going with the times. Now across the United States, we've seen these giant billboards with George Bush's picture on it, paid for by his supporters that say, George Bush, our leader. President Bush has done something that no American president has ever done. He likes to prance around in military uniforms, reminding us of where his power comes from. We should all be concerned that our president is dressing like Saddam Hussein, Fidel Castro, Mao Zedong, and Adolf Hitler. And again, you can say uh, what you want about Trump, but he never cosplayed like that. You know, he, he wore the Trump suit. He wasn't a cosplayer. Just pointing that out. And Bush loves to be seen in uniform with lots of troops behind him. But so does Arnold. Here is Schwarzenegger giving the fascist salute in one of his bodybuilding poses. A trick the pro-Schwarzenegger press likes to play on the people is to focus on his father and then go, well, he can't help it if his father was an SS officer. What they don't like to focus in on is Nazi war criminal Kurt Waldheim, who was Secretary General of the United Nations. At his wedding to Maria Shriver in 1986, in front of a massive press in attendance, he said the following. My friends don't want me to mention Kurt's name because of all the recent Nazi stuff and the UN controversy. But I love him, and Maria does too, and so thank you, Kurt. Here's a photo of Arnold Schwarzenegger with Kirk Valtheim in Austria in 1999. Kirk Valtheim was an elite Nazi as well, an officer in the SS. He hunted down American soldiers in Serbia and killed them. An article in 92 in Spy Magazine reported on how Arnold liked to give away recordings of Adolf Hitler to friends in California. It also reported on how he loved to give the Siegheil salute. Former Mr. Universe Rick Wayne went public and talked about how Arnold loved to call black people the N-word and said they couldn't run or do anything. I mean, again, that that's why that message it is just all that is so disingenuous to me. So disingenuous. And how he went on to say that blacks were basically worthless to society. A second champion black bodybuilder, Robbie Robinson, went public. And in his testimony... He talked about a public event in front of thousands of people where Arnold in 1978 began screaming, down with the N-words, down with the blacks, subhuman, you people can't run the country. It goes on and on, but the mainstream media ignores it. Arnold's barbaric treatment of women is legendary, and he's publicly apologized for it. The reason this is so important is it shows a total lack of control. He's a wild man. More important is his love of domination. He loves to degrade underlings. Arnold has never challenged a 2001 Premier Magazine article where he reportedly makes unattractive members on set get on their knees and call themselves ugly dogs. He reportedly revels in humiliating people until they cry. Not only is he a man after the elite's own heart, loving to dehumanize, he's totally compromised if we know about all of these skeletons imagine how many are still in the closet in a sit-down interview arnold gave we magazine he talked about drug use and sex orgies the elite just loves that total control over their puppet then there's all the publicly available gay porn that's right in gay porno mags arnold's done some breads but on top of it there's the private collections of people like Robert Maplethorpe, 
who was a pioneer in hardcore homosexual pornography. One of the biggest problems in Arnold's portfolio of horrors is his admitted use of anabolic steroids. Anabolic steroids, especially heavy use, can permanently change one's psychological makeup. He's also been a poster child for steroid use that has been a ravage on the youth of America. But being a bad role model is nothing compared to the psychological effects that include mania, roid rage, extreme aggression, delusions of grandeur. This is what testosterone and its derivatives cause. It's in the medical handbooks. So let's look at this again. An individual who says he wants to be a dictator, who reportedly hands out recordings of Adolf Hitler's speeches, who openly promotes admitted Nazis like Kurt Voltheim after they're exposed as Nazis and doesn't apologize about it, now wants to be our president. Taking a drug that can permanently alter the chemistry of the brain, making you domineering and aggressive and delusional. We're talking about Arnold Alo Schwarzenegger being positioned to be president of the United States. Alos Schwarzenegger. All right. I got a couple more clips that I want to play. Uh, round out the hour. Uh, didn't get to play them all. This uh, right here is Bill Gates in that recent interview where he was talked uh, to about Jeffrey Epstein several times, looked extremely uncomfortable. I didn't realize, and this is probably within the last month or so, He's still pushing the zoonotics, all right, that that this is not a, bi you know, a biologically engineered, uh, again, I don't believe in the lab leak theory, seeded bioweapon, seeded bioweapon, seeded bioweapon, but still pushing natural virus. Let's turn this down a little bit just so that, yeah, make sure it doesn't blow out those speakers. Here we go. You just referenced intentional pandemics. Do you um, harbor any doubts about the origins of COVID-19? No, the evidence is, is very clear that it's naturally caused. Um, you know, it's a, a bad virus. and It's a bad virus. and uh... We're going to have natural epidemics, and sadly, we may have some unnatural epidemics in the future. I mean, look at that even smirkle. Oh, we're going to have unnatural epidemics in the future. They'd love that because already, what do they have going on? Well, they've got biological, mandated mRNA injections based in computer models without any virus whatsoever. And I think we're in this, this golden era where, uh, you know, biology is going through its own little transformation. We have more and more tools that digitize aspects of biology. So... Uh, at Illumina, for example, we make the machines that do genomic sequencing. So you put in blood or saliva or plant material, and we'll tell you uh, the <clears throat> DNA or the RNA in that sample. And there are a whole set of use cases uh, after you digitize the data. And I'll give you a couple. Uh, one was during COVID. So we were called into China in the fall of 2020, late 2020, uh, sorry, 2019, to help them diagnose what was then a flu of unknown origin. And so we did the first sequence of the SARS-CoV-2 genome. That was published on January 10th. And around the world, what happened was uh, a couple of companies, Moderna in Cambridge and, and BioNTech in Germany, took that data and started working on their vaccine. Now, what's interesting is that Moderna, for example, has never had the live virus on their site. It was all a software problem from them. I remember talking to Stefan, and he was saying, look, we're basing our entire vaccine program on that data you published. It better be good data, because that's it. That's all we're using. 
and uh, and you can get a sense that Moderna is one, of, arguably, you know, one of the most, uh, you know, uh, one of the more important companies in biology right now, and yet it's all a software problem for them. And so that's a use case of once you digitize biology, you can solve profound bio problems. Another it's a good example, thing you got it right. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. Uh, that's uh, funny to these people. Of course it is. It's a good thing we got it right. Yeah, they got it right. All right. All right, folks, I think that's going to do it. Uh, we're going to wrap it up. I'm going to look. I'm going to see. Did, did we get any uh, questions with the hashtags? Does not appear that we did. So, again, you're watching Premium right now. At the end of the broadcast, I'll go to my Twitter, at Jason Burmis, hashtag Reality Rants, tag at Red Voice. Uh, ask a question. We'll go over it here. Once again, I'm a documentary filmmaker. Loose change, final cut. Fabled Enemies, Invisible Empire, A New World Order to Find, and Shade the Motion Picture are free right here, right now. Um, check out all of the uh, documentaries by Alex Jones. You know, that that documentary to me stands up, has some important moments. Glad we did the Arnold Watch Along. Guys, we'll see you bright and early tomorrow morning. I absolutely love you. Thank you for supporting me over at the premium end of the broadcast. And we'll see you on the flip side.